Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. That means you are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. And uh, do slow down if you have a moment. We have a great topic today, but we'll begin as we always do with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So we've got, uh, we're on. I mean, I, I think you can see, you'll be able to see us. So, so anyway, um, this is a new feature, but we have Robin Romanski, who hopefully you can see her. She's much prettier than me and Thaddeus, but... Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we're going to talk much smarter, much smarter, much, everything, much you name it. But um, but today we're going to talk, I, you know, it was something that came up. I, there was an article that was sent to me by Thaddeus, which I think came via Robin on um, on parents and properly uh, integrating. Um, I lost it here. Probably integrating. um sports into the family and the this time of year I always think because for I mean since Trevor was seven so he's 26 up until probably two years ago about this time we were getting ready for Little League so and I can say that um, sports has been as we've talked about has been integral to our family and, and our life and there have been times when I'm sure um, I have <laughs> not properly integrated it um, <laughs> into into our lives because I think there's just challenges. You're you're in, particularly when you're in that type of setting. I think that um, it, and with the way things are and with just the circumstances surrounding it, and not everybody shares our beliefs. Sometimes you can kind of run amok of just joining into the culture of, of that. And I thought that this was a timely topic. Um, it's called, it's an editorial from our Sunday visitor. It's called as parents, are we appropriately integrating sports into family life? And so hopefully maybe this time there's some of y'all out there that are um, beginning some sport or in the middle of a, in the middle of a sport. And uh, maybe we can provide some insights as to what's worked for us, where we failed, and and use this article as a tool to do that. Sound like a good deal. Yeah, and we can uh, we can appropriately integrate Robin into the conversation by uh, by introducing her and let people know, you know, what her role is with the the Red Sea Apostolate now. Yeah, and it's so exciting. Why she was uh, even looking for articles from our Sunday visitor about yeah. about sports. So. Robin, without further ado, introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes, I am um, the coordinator for Victory Youth Sports, which is now kind of a new arm of the Red Sea Apostolate. So as many of our listeners or your listeners, I suppose, um, already know, Red Sea is religious education for the domestic church and was founded 
years ago um, as a way to support families in their quest for living the living out their call of the domestic church and raising children in the domestic church more fully. And, you know, your show, Trey and Stephanie has, you know, been addressing those things for parents, you know, for years as well. Um, and this new branch, Victory Youth Sports, is just a, another way of um, Red Sea reaching out and serving our the families in, in the area and helping to provide them with, you know, continued education and ways to, to grow their family and, and raising their children in the, in the faith. So I'm really excited about it. It's something that Thaddeus and I, you know, have talked about for years as we've had children playing sports, whether or not we were appropriately integrating them (laughs) or not in our family. (laughs) Um, we had, you know, children playing in the upwards program and different and different things and little league, like you mentioned, Trey, um, and just noticing. Uh, I think mostly noticing wasted opportunities is what I would say. Right. You know, just opportunities for um, whole formation and um, and kind of a, more of a transformative uh, approach to situations that maybe were, were missed by the, the coaches and not even for their fault, right, <laughs> you know, right. through no fault of their own, but that we saw, Hey, this, here's an opportunity for us to, to teach our children, um, you know, a little bit better lesson about the spiritual life or about, um, what's important through this failure or success that they had in a practice or a game. So it's something that we talk about a lot. I have Thaddeus and I both come from some coaching backgrounds. And so there's you no more than me. Talk, talk about your, talk about sport. your coaching background. There's no shortage of sport discussion in our household. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes, I um, was a very mm, mediocre at best volleyball <laughs> player myself and uh, played for a couple years or tried to play for a couple years at Southwestern. Um, and as I started college, but then had opportunities to be a statistician and manager as I finished out my college career at AM. And then through that time w- was able to meet the Olympic team, the Olympic volleyball assistant coach who became the head coach. So then, oh, wow was hired to work on his staff. So from 01 to the Olympics in Athens in 04, I was on the staff of our women's Olympic team. And then after that, had the opportunity to come back and coach at Texas A&M as an assistant under the Corbellis. So, you know, coaching and sport is a big part of my Yeah, I always think this is important to to say too, that she she was the second assistant coach on the staff. Olympic rules, FIVB rules, say that that position has to be called the technical coordinator, but it's the second assistant coach, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyhow, um, yeah, so sport is is an important part of um, my formation as a person, as, you know, as a right. young person. It was important growing up from, you know, backyard pickup, tag, I mean, touch football games where my dad was the all-time, you know, the quarterback both ways to, um, you know, competitive Little League softball and high school sports. Sports were a big part of um, my maturity. As it was for for us and our family growing up and, and, and then as a, as parents, it was that way for us too. Um, I think it's an important point that you talk about missed opportunities. I think a lot of what we try to do in this show is is help give illuminate. I don't know if that might be too strong a word, but to give people kind of a way of looking at it so that they can be looking for those opportunities as they go. Because I think lots of times it's just missed. I mean, not at anybody's fault, but but there are opportunities to teach children about life in and through sports. Um, and it's really, I think if we don't take advantage of those and we're missing 
really the real reason to play sport, at least from a parenting standpoint, I think. I, I, from a parenting standpoint, it, it shouldn't be to win or let's get them a scholarship or whatever. Those are all that, – that's all great, but it certainly shouldn't be the, the be-all, end-all of anything that a Catholic Christian would be doing it for. And you can get caught up pretty easily <laughs> in sure. in that um, when you're around others, because I'm sure you're like me, Stephanie, the same way. I mean, uh, both of y'all, I know we're competitive people, so we do like to win. <laughs> we don't like to lose, but there's opportunities to teach in a loss. There's opportunities to teach in a win that 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 we should all be taking advantage of if we're going to, if we're going to let our kids and or encourage our kids to participate in, in sport, particularly as they're younger. So that's what I think also, you know, from, from this article that um, we're referencing today, I, I think, you know, it just, it's just always important to, as, as parents, um, keep in mind, what is the purpose of their participation in this particular right. sport, you know, what, what, what do we want the purpose to be? And maybe what has it become? What has the purpose become? Is it still what we want it to be? And, you know, that's something that I saw as a college coach when I would be out <clears throat> recruiting that, I mean, it felt like 90% of the athletes were only playing because mom and dad were making, them. you know, wow. it, yeah. I, I'm sure that's, that's a, and that's a number that is inflated because of my perspective, but I was not a parent yet. You know, I was, right. I was, a. we were married, Thaddeus and I, but we didn't have children yet for most of my coaching career. So a lot of it was me, you know, just observing and thinking, you know, some of this is really, the purpose has really been lost. Right. You know, they're not, they're not playing anymore for that formation that sports can give you for learning the virtues that sports um, so organically teach, you know, right. or for understanding what it's like to play for something bigger than yourself and to sacrifice and to work hard. It, none of it seemed like that had kind of fizzled in many situations. And now they've invested so much money in their daughter's volleyball career that now they're playing because they need a scholarship to get that money back, right. you know, and, and it, that's how it seemed as, for me, you know, right. As a, as a young, um, as a young woman observing. Um, so I think this article, as I read it, you know, just made me think that we have to constantly be asking ourselves, is that purpose still aligned the way we want it to be? And that's a good way to evaluate every year. I think before you go into it, what is, why are we doing this? And there were times I know, um, well, first off, I think it's important to, re to remember that all parenting should be intentional. I mean, there should be, you, you should attempt for it to be intentional. <laughs> I mean, it, sometimes you, you get caught in the, in the river that's I've got to run to practice. I got to do this. I got to do that. And it can lose that intentionality oftentimes just because you're kind of caught up in it. But, right. but to be intentional is to every year or every time before a sport is to sit down as a couple and walk through, are we doing this for the right reasons? Um, or what are the reasons? And, mm -hmm. you know, I can, I, I think specifically of with, with Kingsley um, in soccer, this is getting towards, you know, she was, she was a very good soccer player and had opportunities to go to Houston and, and then we sat back, and sometimes you got to look at what, what's the purpose of being part of a team, even even at a, a very secular level or just practical level. And I remember we were driving, you know, Saturday to Houston, we're you know for a game, and then coming back to College Station, and driving on Sunday to a game in San Antonio, and then we would practice. We drive her to Houston three nights a week, and I, I mean if that doesn't get your attention, I mean, that, that for me, it was like, I mean, that's five days a week. Why are we, why are we doing this? And from a very practical standpoint, because it costs money, um, I realized the only reason for her to do this is if she really wanted to play college soccer. 
I mean, that, that, that was the only reason because I was, and she had to trust me on that because she's like, I want to play high school at my high school with my friends. And I said, that's, that's great. You're good enough to play without doing this. You'll get to play. And first off, she had to trust me on that. But the second thing was, is I said, how bad do you want to play college soccer? I mean, is it, would you go anywhere if somebody offered you or she goes, I don't know. And I said, well, that's all I need to know. Because if, if the answer is I don't know, it's no. I mean, because the people I know who want to play college um, are there. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, I don't think. But, but, but from a practical standpoint, I do think it's worth analyzing why are we involved? Why are we using money to do this? Is it just because we can or we're enamored with the fact that somebody thinks she's good enough to play you know, at the next level that they're asking her in eighth grade to travel all over the state to do things. And it was the best decision we ever made. We, we, when she said, I don't know, I said, well, until you come back to me and say, I want to play college soccer and I'll play wherever somebody will let me play. I love it that much. We're dropping out of it. And that was a really good choice. Um, Ultimately, she had to trust me, and the, and we as parents also have to help them evaluate, and then also be honest with what are her goals. And this has nothing to do with the spiritual aspect, but I think from a parenting standpoint, what, why are we playing, um, and why are we moving up to the next level? Why is this, you know is it is it worth getting more um, serious about it? Yeah, but you you also had to exercise two cardinal virtues there. You had to exercise fortitude. You had to have the courage to say, we're not going to go along with the rat race and the keeping up with the Joneses. And, um, we're going to, we're going to do things differently because that's what's best for our, our, our situation and for our child. And you had to exercise prudence. I mean, you had to make, you had to make a judgment call based on the, the, data that you had in front of you and you had to have that you know that wisdom to say okay if she says i don't know or i'm not sure or no i don't want to play college soccer then that means no we're not doing this anymore um so gosh so much of parenting you know requires us to be formed in in virtue we have to be living lives of virtue and we hope that um that's something that we want right. Victory Sports to, to do for the parents that, that are involved, right, Robin? Right, right, correct. You know, kind of the model that, that we see is that parents or volunteer coaches, likely many would be parents, um, we would help form with these virtues that are going to be apparent in any, you know, right sports practice or game or um, encounter so that those things can, cannot be missed, but hopefully at least some of the time, you know, caught and captured and illustrated for the young men and women athletes that are playing the, the children to show that, you know, these are really important and these virtues, yes, they're apparent in sport, but they're also the same virtues that you're going to have to, that we have to exercise as we're trying to emulate Christ. Right. You know, we're told, was it the gospel last Sunday to be perfect as God is perfect. Right? right. And so in our striving for perfection, maybe striving is not the right word, but in our desire to follow um, what he is demanding of us or asking of us, we have to emulate those virtues that Christ embodied himself. And, and that's in all aspects of our life. And if we learn them, in sport, well, fantastic, because most kids, you know, genuinely love the time they spend out playing and learning, you know, sports. Right. And then they see how that can be applied, you know, in the other areas and, and how it's all, it's a whole formation. It's not, you know, sport formation separate from catechesis or um, personal development. Right. And but I think, yeah, it all together. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because, like for example, with with her, you know, we're we're meant to be doing it for their for their sake, whatever it is. And like I told, you know, her, I mean, we would do that if that was something that she wanted, and we felt like that was something worth going after. Um, but emulate, we're you know, we always want to be thinking about 
what's in the best interest of our child, the the entire thing, not what's in our best interest. Um, and sometimes when you have a really, if you have a good player, there's a little bit of, <laughs> it, it can sneak in pretty easily when you have a player that's good, you know, wow, she, you know, it's great. You know, she gets to be the star or, or one of the stars and, and, and you're the parent of that, of that star. And, and it just, it can, you can get caught up in it and not really, be measuring it for what it is but the cool thing is is if you're a parent and you're looking out for them i would say that there's there's a little bit of an image of of god stephanie and i talking her through and thinking through what would it all mean if if you withdrew what would it mean if you stayed um we had some other family members that were doing it but walking them through but saying we're trying to figure out what's the best for you kingsley and that's why she said Yes, which again, she imaged Christ to God the Father. I think in that moment, that that's not too much of a stretch because I think, I think that's the way we need to look at parenting. We, we're meant to be an image of God, and certainly as a husband and wife, um, we're meant to be an image of the Trinity and that and that child that's down there. And she was okay. I'll trust you that I'll be able to play in high school, and and having you helping me walk through it, I'll. I'll accept that I'm giving up something, but it's not something that I wanted so bad that I'm worth that it's worth giving up something else, which was yeah. friendships here because we knew people that were traveling and and they and sure. do it full time and have done great things with it. But I think that that's I think that that's part of the way we should look at parenting is we should be best interest of the child, help them make and be involved in making tough decisions, which I think God is doing with us as we go through whatever we're trying to decide as as adults. Yeah, and th- and that's that's true kind of on the other side of of the equation which is there there are going to be plenty of times where the parent exercising prudence and courage is going to be to say we need to sacrifice as a family and have you play, you right. know, travel ball or have you play club ball because you have the ability, you have the desire, it's something that you clearly want to do and you want to, you know, make the most of yourself. And so to do what's best for you, to make you help you be the best possible version of yourself, you know, in Matthew Matthew Kelly's famous uh, phrasing, we're going to make this sacrifice as a family for you. Right. And I I think that's, they need to know it's a sacrifice. Not, not like as, you know, look at what we're doing for you, but they need to know, you know, this is this is something we're choosing to do as a family, as a whole, for yeah. your sake. So there are people that are giving up time with mom and dad, or time with dad because he's on the road with you, or vice versa. However, it is, and we're willing to be split up, maybe when we'd rather be together, but for your sake. And and we even keep, we kind of in, included to some extent, not perfectly, but. But the other kids and saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're making this sacrifice because this is important to them, and and we know it is going to cost us something, but we're choosing to do it." And I think there are ways, and I'm sure Trey, you know, you and Stephanie um, have explored the explored these during that time. But there are ways that you can take that one sacrifice though and turn it into you know, positives for, for everyone. Right. Right. You know, dad's taking Kingsley on the drive to Houston, but that's an hour and a half of captive right. audience that you have with Kingsley. And she's probably looking back at it now from the 20 year old mind she has, or I don't, I think she's around 20. She's 20. <laughs> she is 20. Yeah. Some, somewhere around there. And, and she can probably, you know, draw back to some of those conversations or, some right. of that time spent one-on-one and, and see how that's really been important for her formation as a young woman. Right. So, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's a little bit different, but I know for myself, you know, there was a time through late junior high and early high school where I wanted to run track, but I wasn't fast enough to, you know, be the top three to be entered in a track meet and right. whatever the 100 or the 200 so my dad explained to me that, hey, distance running, you can, you can teach that. So why don't we train 
and you run the 800. That was, you know, the longest event I could do at that, whatever age I was in junior high. That sounds so so awful to me. Every every morning, you know, (laughs) he'd wake me up at five, we'd go to the track and he had a practice plan for me and he would be on the infield running caddy corner across the field, cheering for me while I was running my sprints, you know, my interval training. And and I can look back at that and dad's sacrifice to, to provide that for me. But I, I can see how important that was Absolutely. in my formation, you know, coming up as a young woman to understand, you know, sacrifice and hard work and, and then to see the rewards of what that provided me. You right. know, then I was faster Then I was able to um, compete in the track meets that I, that I wanted to. So I think, you know, like we're saying, yes, it's sacrifice, but be still being intentional in our parenting, right. we can still make that sacrifice fruitful. See if, and that's where I would have imaged the, the son to, to my father. And if he had said, you can run at the 800, I would have said, uh, yeah, I don't think I want to run track. Actually. I think I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you that would be my, my answer. Anything over about 40 yards. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but, but, but I, I think that's a great example. And that is, that is a way you're right. Sacrifice is not meant to be a negative term. I mean, it, it's not something to be offered, but, but it's, I think important for that is he's looking out for you. He's he finds he's found something that you want to do, and so as a parent, we should help foster that. I mean, if our goal is not how to minimize my time, okay, you didn't make it. That's great. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it frees me up to be able to do something else. Could be a response, but instead he he worked with you and 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 did that, and that's the way we should do that because that does again image the way God works with us. It's not. There's work you have to do, but it kind of images a little bit of grace that that the person is actually doing something for your sake at their expense out of love. And right. and therefore, he's imaging God to you and right. your response. You can teach so much, really so much just by that example yep. of, of, of God helping you know, find a way. So find what, what, what are you good at? What are your talents? And then providing the grace, the stuff that you couldn't provide, like the workout plan, that type of stuff. And then being there to encourage, um, that, that is a perfect image of the way God works. But then it also shows that we have to respond to that grace. Cause you could have said, I'm done. I quit. Or I don't like that. Or you're working me too hard or whatever it is. There's so many, so many responses that again, point us back to the way God works in our own lives. I think another great thing that Robin's father did there is he united her desire for excellence, right? Or her desire for achievement, right? In track with the truth. Absolutely. To kind of take a serious glance at the thing I was joking about. And you talked about this a lot of times and you've used the example of American Idol auditions, but he told you the truth about what your, what your abilities were and where, where you stacked up and what you could probably have the best shot of achieving excellence in. And that is so important. That is so important. And that's such a great example of how we need the truth. We have to be able to tell the truth, hear the truth and act on the truth. Yeah. We as parents, I think it's important to not foster kind of a false well you can do it when when you can recognize i mean at this school at this place you're probably not there but but there's another one there's another place for you to go and that's what i would say god's grace you know the truth can be really harsh if you just deliver the truth like you're not fast enough to do that but then god's truth always says there's something else for you to do and and for a parent to help foster this is something else and then provide what's necessary. I think again is a great teaching tool in action concretely. It's part of the mystery of parenthood of revealing the way God works with us. I think. Um, Kind of a tangential uh, reference, you know, to what you're talking about, Trey, a couple of weeks ago, we met with father James Mishko of the diocese um, to talk with him about, 
victory sports and to kind of make sure the diocese is aware of where we're taking this, you know, new initiative and, and to get the bishop's approval to make sure that we're always working um, in conjunction and in complementary fashion right. with the diocese and the parishes. And Father James, you know, he was talking about how, how often people want to ask him the tough question. And he says, okay, well, I've got a question for you. Does God love everyone the same? And he said, in 98% of the time, people say, well, yes, he loves all of us unconditionally. And he said, but that's not true. That's not the answer. He doesn't love us the same. He has a distinctive love for each of us. He loves us distinctly. And that looks different. So, you know, if he loved me the same as he loves everyone else or other people, well, then I would have been able to hit a curveball is what Father James says, right? right? right. But I couldn't, I never could hit the curveball and I wasn't fast. So that's not the way God loved me, right? right? So helping our children understand this truth, you know, the truth, Robin, is that you're not fast. You weren't born with those fast switch fibers. However, we can train right. endurance and you can do a little bit with those fast switch and get a little faster, but, but recognizing with our children that, Hey, God loves Johnny so much that he's an amazing basketball player. Look at his talent. And it's apparent that that's how God loves him. Right. God loves Joey by making him a fantastic, you know, musician, piano player. Right. Um, so just those different, uh, distinctions about he loves all of us unconditionally but our talents are unique and being being aware of those and and applying them doesn't mean you can't play basketball if you're not johnny but we're gonna applaud johnny and all his successes because that's god created him that way and it's good right um i think and we're gonna keep working hard to support that you know i think you said something really interesting about the spiritual life you said we you don't have fast twitch muscles but we can we can train endurance isn't that so amazing that we can train endurance we can build up endurance because we need we need endurance in the spiritual life too we need to endure in or pers- you know persevere in faith we need to endure through this pilgrimage on earth right. in faith in virtue, in holiness to arrive at, at our goal. And that's so, that's so interesting that you can train endurance in our physical body. And we can also train endurance in our spiritual body our spiritual selves by through virtue. That's what virtue does. Right. No, I think, I think it is. I think one of the, an additional point that I think is really key to what you're saying, because I think it it translates into parenting, is that every child you have is different. So to try to turn them into a bunch of uh, clones of each other is is Mm -hmm. not what we're meant to do. We're meant to help them, hey, this is something that you're good at. And and even how you discipline one, because we learned that really early on, is that one thing that works for uh, one person in terms of motivate motivating them or getting them to recognize and change course <laughs> is not the same thing that works for others. Yeah. You know, one could be just a look of disappointment and they are changed, <laughs> but another, it might take something else. And I think it does speak to a truth that is we're all unique and unrepeatable and God loves us uniquely and unrepeatably by that and we as parents participate in that as parents by helping our kids recognize what they because they may want to do something but it's but when it becomes apparent sometimes it's the answer is you got to work harder at it but sometimes it's not work harder at it sometimes this is really not your gift and that's not an unloving remark that that's a loving remark but we think that this would be another avenue that you could take. You know, we t- I've talked about Madison and dance. Mm-hmm. My sons probably argue whether that's a sport or not. I haven't seen how much they work. 
<laughs> and that there is some athleticism there. That was it. But, I mean, M- Madison didn't make – we've talked about this before – didn't make it and was crushed because all her friends didn't, didn't make this one dance team. And so we went back to her and said, okay, so you've got an option. I mean, you can either – we can find something else for you to do or you can go talk to your teachers, find out what you've got to do, and then let's work at it. And I think those are the, that's the way we should help our children work through those disappointments because those disappointments, you know, now she's teaching drill team. Now, you know, she was a rangerette, and she, that was a moment in sixth or seventh grade that was really kind of a fork in the road for her because if she had chosen something else, she would have ended up somewhere else. And I'm sure that would have been fine too, but, but it was a great opportunity to say, okay, here's a setback. I think it's another great part about athletics is, or, or dance or whatever it is when you have a failure to help them recognize that a failure is not a failure unless you don't do something with it. <laughs> and I think that's something that it's hard to teach children concretely unless they're involved in something that allows them to fail. And so we as parents need to allow our children the opportunity to fail and then be there to help figure out what does that failure mean? Yeah. You didn't work enough. I mean, you've, you've got it. That's the way an intentional parent out of love for that child does it. You don't protect them from failure. I mean, you'd like to, you'd hate to see him cry. That was not a very fun moment. And when she was weeping, Steph was weeping with her, but, um, it was sad, but we have to allow those failures. And those are, those are great opportunities for teaching. I want to let Robin respond to what Trey was saying, but I want to also put on the table in the last 15 minutes that we have the quote that they have from Pope John Paul II, because yeah. maybe we can, we might want to weave yeah, that into that, our discussion too. So they quoted from a homily of his on October 29th, 2000. And he says, the educational and spiritual potential of sport must make believers and people of goodwill united and determined in challenging every distorted aspect that can intrude, recognizing it as a phenomenon opposed to the full development of the individual and to his enjoyment of life. Every care must be taken to protect the human body from any attack on its integrity, from any exploitation, and from any idolatry. I mean the 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 thing. There's that, a lot there. There's a lot there, <laughs> as usual with yeah. Pope with Pope, Pope John Paul saying he can cram a lot into a little bit, but um, but what I but but it can be I think particularly if the the flip side is when a child is very successful too, is helping to recognize it is a gift of them. Yes, you 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 have worked at this and that's good, but remember. You've been given this gift, you know, if you're good at it. I mean, Trevor was a great hitter. Um, I always thought, wow, if he's that good, then these other kids would be better. <laughs> they weren't. He worked extraordinarily hard at it, but there was times when he would he would get a little puffed up, and I would have to say, just remember, I mean, you're going to hitting lessons, you're doing all these things, but God has given you the eyes to see, and and obviously you have a talent there. So – to even recognize when we're successful that and point out in humility that there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, I'm good at this, but recognize that you're good at it because God has given you the gift and you've cooperated with that gift because you've worked at it. And just not to bring them down or any false humility, but, but to make them aware of the fact that whatever good we have is from God. Right. Right. And then, and then one step further that whatever good we have is from God and it should be used for his glory. Right. Right. Exactly. So how, how we then harness that good and, and use it to bring him greater glory. Absolutely. um, You know, is important. And I think that that's something in this article that I don't want to steer away from the Pope, the Pope. No, 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 not at all. But you know, the article itself is basically how sport becomes distorted, right? How our, how our uh, focus can get off. And, and I think that happens when we lose sight of 
the fact that these gifts are from God and they deserve to be utilized to bring about his glory, to, to have others recognize his glory. Not because our own. when we take it out of context, that's when we get in trouble. I mean, that's when you have the figure skater incident that, that I, it's I, talking about. Uh, you know, it's, it's referencing the Russian figure skater from the Olympics who a 15 year old who was had a doping issue before the Olympics and then had a, you know, a, a terrible performance by right. based on your ability. Um, I think that that points to what he was, what Pope John Paul II was, is that when winning becomes the all important thing and you lose perspective, yes, you might, you might be willing to receive a drug that might help you be stronger or better, but also it loses perspective. And she had a, obviously a fall apart there at the end. We don't know all, but, 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 it, but I, I'd heard about this before. Um, and, and the response of, I guess the Russian coach was, you know, why did you quit, you know, and kind of attacking her for the, for the way it kind of fell apart a 15 year old. I mean, I cannot <laughs> imagine there's a loss of perspective there and the loss of integrity because then she becomes the only thing that, that that matters to that coach is her performance not the person and that's what we have to have in sports it's got to be about the person first well not first god's glory first but but with regard to like victory sports i, I know will be is to focus on the person as a whole and not just the outcomes right because i yeah. think you can get focused on the outcomes pretty easily <laughs> right right and and, you know, the outcomes are, are still important. Absolutely. It's still important to, for there to be an outcome, you know, there, for there to be a winner and a loser, because, you know, that's life. That's, that's the, you know, um, eternal um, race for us, right. Is to win that imperishable crown. So we have winners and losers, but, but to keep that in rightly ordered, that that right. is the outcome we're focusing on the individual in the process. And if that's the outcome we get, wonderful, we'll, we'll celebrate that. And if it's not, then like you mentioned earlier, Trey, learning how to stand stand back up after that failure. Right. And what does that look like? Absolutely. And, and I, I always, you know, it, it, scriptural, I, I, I love this because it, it does point to the fact that they're winning and losing is important, not the most important thing, but, but doing that, and I've been involved in in sports things that they don't they dismiss winning and losing, and and I think it is important to measure. It just has to be dealt with properly. The answer is not to get rid of winning and losing or keeping score, unless you think that there's no way to to put that in a framework that says it's part of life to do that. But St. Paul. I love this. You know, do you not know that runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win. So, I mean, he, he's he's actually saying we should run so as to win. He doesn't say win. He says run so as to win. So it's about the effort and, and what – because, you know, what I've told my kids all the time, if you're the best at something here in Bryan College Station – and you can win. I can promise you I can not go too far down the road and find somebody better than you. <laughs> I mean, if you're just talking about winning and losing. But but we should operate in a way that says, I'm going to do everything I can with the gifts and talents that I have right. to glorify God and to, and, and to do the best to try to win, knowing that winning is not the ultimate measure. Yeah by which I'm going to go, but it's still a measure. You know, yesterday we're recording this on a Monday. So yesterday was selection Sunday and right. ba- men's, men's and women's basketball, college basketball. And so we got a chance to watch a little bit of uh, some of the games and some of the post game stuff. And I caught uh, Bruce Pearl, who's the head coach Auburn, of yeah. Auburn, men's Auburn. And he's had some, you know, issues in his, in his career, but he said something really interesting. He was ta- asked about, his team's record and their performance. And he was talking about how many wins they racked up in the, um, the SEC. And he said, that's a, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, that's a sign that we respected all of our opponents, that we respected that's all of our point. team, all of our, all those teams. And I thought that is really good because that's right. That's what 
what winning and and coming out on top in a game should be a sign of or linked to that you respect and you understand that the guy in the other color wants to win just as badly as you has been working just as hard as you um, dedicates himself or herself to the craft of the game as much as you should be doing right. the same. And and when you come out on top, man, that's a credit to the, to the other team that you, that you achieve that. Right. And then you're thinking about the other rather than just yourself. Yeah. I was, as you brought that up, there, there was a coach, I think it was actually the soccer team at college station that there, there was respect all fear none, you know, was, was that, so it was always a respect for that. And, and as you also were talking about that, I was talk, I was thinking about the coach at Michigan who lost a game and then punched the coach in the shaking of hands. And there's all this talk about, <laughs> I didn't hear about, oh, you this. Heard about that. Yeah. He got, he, he got like a whole five games suspended, but literally, oh, man. The, you know, and again, getting caught up in the winning and losing to the extent that, like, what you can't, it's still a game. <laughs> you can't walk down the line and say, hey, you beat us. I mean, congratulations. We'll get you next time. It, there is something about respecting the other and acknowledging. I, I, I think that's a part of, it's a part of life. Right. You know, you're going to get beat sometimes. Um, you're going to lose, and somebody, and, and to be able to acknowledge, and shake the hand and say, I'm going to learn from you. Uh, I mean, you were a worthy opponent. You, you beat us and, and not be angry enough to throw a punch, <laughs> you know, much less not shake a hand. But I think, but that's going wow. on. So, I mean, I think this is a, th- this is, has always been, I think something that's part of our culture, but now you're actually seeing the differences. Cause I've heard a bunch of people say, well, they should just stop shaking hands. I mean, well, I mean, wait a second. Uh, Tom Izzo, who's the head coach of Michigan State, went off and said, my kids will always shake hands because no matter win or lose, we've got to respect the other team and acknowledge if they beat us in a, in a sportsmanlike manner. And he was kind of an odd man out. There was a big call to do that. I think that that's something we have to make sure that our children know this is just a game. It's part of – life. Yeah, we want to win and we should be passionate about that, but not so much that we disrespect the opponent. Wow. You, yeah. Robin, you had something? Oh, I was just, you know, listening to, to Trey and thinking, you know, exactly, you know, we can't remove that because then that just, um, you know, makes the game or settles things into into discounting the human aspect of it, the other person, right. You know, on, on the other side. And in fact, you know, I think even one step further, at, at least in our victory sports model that we have, you know, control over the importance of the teams praying together yes. before and after the game so that, you know, winners or losers, we acknowledge the fact that, we're all here competing and we're here doing our best and we want to, we want to be aware of the good that the other did to win when we came out on, right. on the, on the losing end, just like when we're on the winning end, we want to be acknowledged by the team that we beat as, you know, for the, for the respect we gave them and for the time that we put into, um, competing well and and in victory sports too in that manner you know we're we're members of the body of christ right right we're members of the one holy catholic apostolic church so so i just can't help because i was a friend of mine was watching we're you know for better for worse something the way out there i'm a longhorn but 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 watching and a lot of people out here particularly in this would know who vic schaefer is right i mean he was an assistant coach with coach blair Mm -hmm. that well so my friend had never heard about him, and we were watching Texas play. You know, they were about to win their first um, Big 12 Women's Basketball Championship since 2003. And the first words out of his mouth when he was interviewed were, I serve a great God, and I'm so grateful 
for the work that our kids put in and that we could beat as good a team as Baylor, who's beaten us 17 times in a row. Wow. And and I thought, That's great. wow. Well, I mean, my friend called me and was like, I'm enamored by this guy. So sometimes success provides an opportunity to do it because the very end, you know, he said, and I'll, I'll say it exactly as he said it, and he said, thank you, Coach Blair. I mean, not Coach Blair. Thank you, Coach Schaefer, for your time. And he said, praise the Lord and hook him horns. And that was how he how he ended it. But but I like the fact that it, on the stage, it was the first words out of his mouth were that, and even before Hook'em Horns, it was praise the Lord for that. And I don't know him personally, but he he did, and we can teach our children, I think, that that's a time when you have success to acknowledge what you know to be true, which is there's something more involved here than just me and my players. And I think that's something victory sports will will help too, because you don't hear too much of that in no, the league. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So Yeah, and that's part of what uh we found out about Rick Barnes yesterday when they were uh oh, they were talking about him in the at the end of the AM Tennessee game, the announcers on you know, on the air on television were talking about how he Rick Barnes will attribute his conversion you know his his conversion and his coaching to his conversion in 2016 to the right. lord awesome. and, and yeah. his and how important his faith is to him and his uh relationship with the players now in light of that wow so, that, that's you know there's there's so many opportunities that we feel like victory sports can help rein in and illuminate for, absolutely for our parents, families, you know, and athletes. So find out more at victoryyouthsports.org. Sign up to get uh, updates. And Trey, you got the last word. All right. You know, it's always the same. Just remember, run to win. Run so as to win and teach your kids that. But uh, always remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare prepare for God to amaze you. He always will. I promise. Bye. Cross.